your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Hey, all right. Welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. 608-785-7914. I should sing it every time. Dr. Anthony Chagoski, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor, is on with me. And uh, were you just on uh, some big-time news station before today, Chagoski, or what? I was uh, chatting up with someone from NBC News. They were curious about gerrymandering, which I know is a topic that you love, Rick. Um, but they wanted to know about gerrymandering in Wisconsin and how that has played into a role in our politics here. Yeah, gerrymandering is a is a topic that I I. In- I can talk about. I think I know quite a bit about it. I brought a, a lot of different people on who know more than me about it, and I also think that it puts everybody that's listening to sleep. Even though it's it's maybe the most imp- how where would you rank top top five issue that Wisconsin is it the top issue that Wisconsin has going forward here in the next next uh, two years. Certainly in the top five, Rick. I mean, we're heading toward a round of redistricting because of the completion of the 2020 census. And every 10 years after the census is complete, it is time to redraw those districts. And I was talking to this reporter about how the Republicans were in a really advantageous position following the 2010 census because, of course, Scott Walker won the gubernatorial election in 2010. The Republicans took control of both chambers of the state legislature, and that gave them essentially total control over the redistricting process. And you've seen how uh, how important that's been and how effective their uh, drawing of the districts has been. Uh, so this is going to shape the next 10 years in Wisconsin politics. I, I get that it's not the most exciting topic and I completely understand that. But in terms of shaping what Wisconsin looks like from now through 2030, I mean, it's pretty darn important. It's it's ironic that we get to, I, I, we start the show talking about how boring it would be to talk about gerrymandering, and then we start, <laughs> this is the lead. What are we doing? I mean, we, we should probably talk about, are you going to binge watch anything this weekend? I really need something to binge watch. I've done his dark materials on HBO I've burned through the Mandalorian twice. Uh, I just I need something, and it's got to be weird sci-fi. I've tried to watch The Expanse on Amazon Prime, but season three is really or season three or four is really killing me. So I don't know if anyone's got suggestions out there. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. That is my transition. Running away from gerrymandering, even though it might be the most <laughs> important issue because it's going to shape the political spectrum of Wisconsin for the next decade, and the only way it's not the number one issue, Trigoski, is if this virus mutates and we can't do crap for the next decade. That's the only way that gerrymandering isn't more important than COVID-19, or vice <laughs> well, versa. Well, yeah, yeah, Rick, you know, Michael Osterholm, the expert on infectious diseases from the University of Minnesota, was saying that you know, in the next you know, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, this new variant of the coronavirus that is so easily spread could really be taking hold. We know it's already in Wisconsin, but it could really be taking hold in the coming weeks. And just the ease with which it is spread is 
a matter of great concern. And that means that vaccines are, I mean, it's just a race against the clock really right now when it comes to vaccinations. Of course, we did not get great news on that front today because there was a report from the Washington Post saying that, you know, the Trump administration vowed to release their reserves of the COVID-19 vaccine, except one problem, there weren't any vaccines in the reserve. And Tony Evers was in the news today saying, well, you know, he had been counting on these reserves. He had been counting on an influx of supply from the federal government for these vaccines, and it, it may not be coming. The, um, so the, uh... that creates enormous challenges. And, you know, this came up in, in the State of the State address earlier this week that Tony Evers gave. It, it came up in Assembly Speaker uh, Re- Republican Robin Voss's response. And, and you're hearing more and more Republicans making noise about the pace of vaccinations in Wisconsin and really pointing the finger at Tony Evers saying, look, the pace of the vaccinations is unacceptable. Other states are vaccinating a lot quicker. And why is it taking so long to get the vaccines out there? You also heard criticism from Voss about the priority that prisoners would get in vaccines. But I think right now there's real concerns also about supply. He said, um, he, so t- he said this socialist situation is, is just really, really messy right now. And the clock is ticking with this new variant of the, uh, of the coronavirus. I think he said socialists were getting the vaccine first and that really, <laughs> I think that was a socialist and then Antifa. Antifa socialist. That's the real kicker. Um, th- there is a, there is a story that just uh, on the AP wire, it said Janesville teachers are going to get the vaccine ahead of schedule. And then Evers acknowledged that it's likely too late to stop the district since officials have already announced the effort publicly. So, so this weird, like, first of all, should we be jealous that Janesville teachers are going to get the vaccine first ahead of schedule instead of other people? Or should we just be like, okay, well, that's fine. We don't, you know, as a, as a society, maybe we don't need to do the finger pointing that, you know, Republicans and Democrats are doing at our state legislature. As we celebrate, you know, Chagasi could have just called in yesterday and helped celebrate the nine month anniversary of our state government last passing a bill of (laughs) any kind. It's been nine months. (laughs) <laughs> well, a, a momentous anniversary, Rick, and it looked like we might be breaking that trend of of inaction, but it seems like this streak of no bills passing the Wisconsin State Legislature is going to continue. You had a bill, a coronavirus bill, really stripped down and, and watered down, frankly, coronavirus bill being passed in the state Senate. And it looked like this was something that could potentially reach Governor Evers' desk if the state assembly took it up. But you had Robin Voss really pouring cold water on that notion and saying, you know, look, the the Republican leadership in the Senate just got completely rolled by Tony Evers, that that they just gave in to the uh, to to what Tony Evers wanted, which I don't know if that's true, because this was a real stripped down coronavirus relief measure with a lot of controversial elements taken out of it. And the the whole point of doing that was to get something that would pass by a large bipartisan majority. Right. Just pass something. At least then I can't go, hey, idiots, you haven't passed anything in nine months. Also, uh, Chagoski, you're using too many water analogies. You got cold water poured on. Voss is pouring (laughs) cold water and then the bill is watered down. Uh, we've got a water situation on French Island. We don't want it. You're being a little insensitive. People are drinking bottled water on French Island. Uh, so I will just bring that up. 
Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. We're going to hit Brad in the news. We'll be back after this. I'm with Oh, all right. Welcome back to the Crosstalk Beyond. My mouse just went flying. That's never happened to me. It just like jumped off the, jumped off the desk. That was interesting. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. Dr. Anthony Tregoski's on with me this hour. We started talking, celebrating the, well, we started talking about gerrymandering, which then, then everyone changed the station. But uh, we celebrate the nine-month and one-day anniversary of our state legislature last passing a bill. And we're going to get into that in a minute. A couple of people waiting on hold. Eric from Sparta is waiting on hold. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, Dr. Jokrowski, have you got your uh, your shot yet, sir? You're a PhD, you're a doctor, correct? And by the way, <laughs> when I see uh, Joe Biden up there, it makes me want to puke, and I'm going to tell you that. Caught me amongst the resistance, peaceful resistances. I will never, ever, ever, unless he proves himself. But he can't hardly walk. He's an old man. He cannot even... Huh. Look at the guy. Thanks. All right. The irony there. Um, never, ever, ever, unless he proves himself. So kind of seems, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to take that. Uh, Chagoski, we know you haven't got your shot yet, so we can just move on. Joe's calling in. Joe, go ahead. I just wanted to... Uh... Really far away, Joe. Hard to hear you. Okay, so I think that um, we came as close as we were going to with our last president to well, exposing the people that... I say, quote, unquote, want to Pete Rose the country. Uh, you know, we came as close to exposing the swamp for what they are. We um, Federally, we, uh, if, if, Joe, federally, we've given the right to the states to uh, allow legalized gambling. So Wisconsin hasn't even well, talked I'm not, about it. I'm talking gambling. I'm talking they're playing, uh, they're playing worldwide r- roulette with our American dollar and our economy, and they bet against it in order to make the most money at the end of the day. You can only do that so many times before the ships sink. Mm-hmm. I think we're as I think we're as close as we get to exposing that with Trump. Um, sure. My question to to you, Doctor, is when our Congress, you know, they worked with China to release this this uh, pandemic. What are you going to do when China releases a actually like a more deadly one to they're get already, what they want? Are you guys going to wake up, or are you guys going to still say, ah, we just wear a mask and then we'll be fine? You know, we'll just sink our okay. economy and we'll be fine. Are you really going to wake up and realize what's going on when they actually release a more deadly strain? I thought they already did release the strain, Tregoski, didn't they? And we're calling you Doctor Tregoski. It's nice. Twenty twenty one. We've 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 accepted you as a as a doctor. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Rick. Uh, Joe, I, think I you could thank Joe for that, and maybe China. Well, thank thanks to Joe, and thanks to Eric from Sparta. I, I appreciate that. Two uh, two interesting calls. Yeah, and very, very odd that we, you know, you're an educated doctor, not a, not a, a, a healthcare doctor, but we're throwing healthcare questions at you, you know, kind of in yeah, a weird, in a weird. Yeah, do, do not security. ask healthcare questions of me. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about infectious diseases. So, Eric from Sparta, that is why I have not had a vaccine yet. Well, not actually why, but you're just you're down the list at this point on getting yeah, vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right, if you right were after, right after radio host, if you were in Janesville and you were a teacher there, you would be getting the vaccine because, however, that slipped by the goalie, I don't know. But I'm sure that right. Republicans will point to Evers and say it was Evers' fault, and I'm sure Evers will point to somebody else and say it was their fault. 
Um, and this is where we're at with our state government. A lot of finger pointing. I think maybe we should all put mittens on. Um, and then we do that weird like mitten pointing when you point at someone in the mittens because it looks very funny because children do that. And uh, but but how do we why are we in, in my head? I thought maybe we would get something done right now as a state because we're pretty far away from Evers being trying to go for reelection. If he does want to run for reelection, I imagine he would. Uh, if we do stuff right now, by the time we get two years down the road where Evers is running for governor again, we're not going to remember what happened at the beginning of 2021 because hopefully we'll be out of a pandemic and um, all these problems will be solved. Well, that's the thing, Rick. I mean, this is a moment of opportunity for Wisconsin state government because we have a pretty decent distance from now through the next election and we know that things slow down and the political calculations change a whole lot when the election is approaching. But now we're over a year and a half from the next election, from Tony Evers being up for re-election and from state legislators being up for election. So, I mean, in terms of getting things done, now is the time. And I guess the early signs are not promising, though. Why doesn't the state government just pass one thing and then therefore this nine month and one day streak can come to an end? You just pass one thing. What would you what Tchaikovsky, what would you say is the just the easiest thing the government could do? Everybody in Wisconsin would mostly agree with it. And then they the, the streak would be over. Right. You, you essentially you you hit a hit a you, you made a basket and the streak is over. Your, your shooting slump is over. Well, I got three words for you, Rick. Cocktails to go. This is a bill that is going through the Wisconsin legislature, a bill that is being kicked around in Madison that would allow Wisconsin restaurants to sell uh, to sell wine or mixed drinks by the glass to customers who are ordering takeout meals. And I was honestly surprised that this hadn't already been passed. This should have been. I mean, you know, this, this should have been passed. 50 years ago in Wisconsin, we should have started. This should have been originally passed in Wisconsin, and then the rest of the state should have followed suit. Well, exactly. I mean, the example that this story from CBS 58 in, I believe, uh, Milwaukee gave was if you're getting takeout from a Mexican restaurant, why not get a margarita to go? I mean, and we know that profit margins are way better on the drinks than on the food. So, I mean, in in a time when a lot of restaurants and bars are hurting, this just seems like a slam dunk to me. Like, you know, if you want to break the streak of having no having no legislation passed through the Wisconsin state legislature, I mean, this seems like low-hanging fruit to me, honestly, Rick. So I, I, I am officially calling on the Wisconsin state legislature to pass cocktails to go. Yeah, otherwise known as, if you are from a rural area and ever been to a bar, roadies, otherwise known as roadies. Uh, <laughs> sometimes maybe you've been to a bar and taken a couple of roadies or seen people take roadies to go themselves. Apparently that's illegal. <laughs> but we're trying to make it legal. Uh, it seems kind of, it's kind of funny in a weird way. Um, number three is calling in, I, I believe. Number three, is, is that, are you there? I'm here. All right, go ahead. You're on the air. I used to be a drinking man, but I don't anymore. But I think it's stupid that you got to go to get to, something to eat and then get a drink to go. Because everybody, I think, that drinks has got it at home. We don't want containers in a car. Well, I mean, we would figure out the container situation. I think bars and restaurants would have that figured out, some kind of glass yeah, or cup I that... Think 
But I, I don't think it's a good idea. You, you're but I telling want to me tell you one thing. You're telling me you don't have a favorite like uh, old fashioned place in in town that you just you, they really make a good old fashioned, and that's where you like to get it. I don't drink old fashioned. I was a beer man. Okay, well, beer. I mean, beer is a, a rich story. man's taste. Yeah, but I'm sure there's a there's got to be a bar out there that makes somebody an old fashioned or a. Uh, whatever i'm not i'm not a big drink aficionado so but they've got their favorite and they want to get it from there and they want to support that bar so if they could go and get an old fashioned from their favorite drinking spot and it wouldn't be illegal to take it home and drink i'm sure people would love to do that but somebody's going to drink it before they get home you know that if well that's illegal you, that's about that's on give the you person. a bottle of captain morgan you'd probably have to sniff the cap before you got to hoka right but but that's on you <laughs> if you're going to illegally <laughs> If you're going to anyway, illegally drink it, then the that's I your called, fault. reason I called, the professor you got with you tonight? Tregoski, yes. Okay, I never met him, but I want to tell him he's getting to be a very important person because I hear him on the AM show, I hear him on your PM show, and I've seen him on television. Yeah, he's getting a big head, I think. Tregoski, you getting a little big-headed locally. So the next thing that happens... He probably going to charge you to come down and BS with you. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's one thing I see. Or Tregoski, you'll be on like Fox News or MSNBC at some point, and then you'll be too big to come back to Wisdom. Rick, I, I will never be too big for Wisdom. I promise you that. And to number three's concern. I also had that concern. Apparently, the bill involves there being some kind of special seal placed on the glass. So if the seal is broken, obviously you would know that the person has opened the drink. So uh, I, I don't know exactly how that would work, but obviously I think they, they have number three's concerns in mind, uh, and, and there would be some kind of special seal. The glass would have to be sealed in some way, so you would know if if the person had opened the drink while they're on the road. Yeah, and we always talk about personal responsibility, right? So if we're going to pass a law that allows you to bring a drink home, I mean, we go to the grocery store and buy beer and and, and wine and liquor. We're not drinking the wine bottle on the way home, so what's the difference? I mean, this is just another easy way to support local bars and restaurants. And bars and restaurants, if they can tell you what they want to sell, food or liquor, uh, to people at this point to, to remain... Uh, to to remain profitable, they're definitely going to tell you they want to sell beer and liquor. I, I, it's no doubt about that. Oh yeah, I mean those are where the better margins are, uh, and that's why the a lot of restaurants are hurting. And you know, I, I, I get that there are some concerns about this bill. I, I don't deny that, but you know, when when the patient is bleeding out, as is the case for the restaurant and bar industry, when the patient is bleeding out. You got to stop the bleeding, and so I think that this would be a, a decent, a decent approach to take, especially given the times we're in. And hey, we can enjoy those old fashions to go for years to come, even beyond the pandemic. Yeah, and and the idea that we fight over masks, the government tyranny, making us wear masks while we go into a store. Well, the government tyranny of not allowing us to be free to drive home with a drink and a cup holder. Like, come on. Um, I don't exactly. know. Who, I don't know who texts this in, but, it, but they said, "I think you should be able to have a beer or a wine while you're grocery shopping. That would be great. I will go grocery shopping with my wife more often. I want to say like Costco or Sam's Club or one of those does this. They have the free samples, and I don't like at some point during the day, maybe in the evening, a little bit later, uh, they have free samples of of beer, liquor, whatever they're trying to sling there, and you can get. You know, that's not a bad idea. I think." Uh, 
you know, if, if people want to get sloshed while they're grocery shopping, I think the grocery <laughs> stores would love that because, you know, what happens when you get sloshed is you get a little hungry. <laughs> I think I've seen that at festival in Alaska too, uh, the free samples. And maybe that does drum up some business for them, uh, you know, Rick. The, maybe it might change uh, customer decision-making a little bit. Yeah, just has someone at the door selling, you know, a a a, a forty ouncer for five bucks, and then you have, but you have to finish it before you leave at this point because we're doing the because we're not the the state legislature hasn't passed a bill in nine months and one days, and including a bill that allows you to take roadies on the or uh, drinks on the road. All right, so I got to hit Scott's comment, which is Doctor Chagoski's favorite thing. So I'm going to put him on hold so we can listen to that, and we'll be back after this up with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Dr. Anthony Chagoski, UW Lacrosse political science professor, is on with us for the rest of the hour, uh, aligning himself with liberal hack Scott Robert Shaw, the biggest <laughs> liberal in all of Lacrosse County, and the idea that we should pass the roadie bill. That's what I want to call it, the roadie <laughs> the bill, roadie where you bill. can take drinks to go from the bar home. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that the roadie bill is the best branding strategy here, Rick. But, uh, you know, I am pleased. And I honest to God, I had no idea that uh, Scott's comment would basically reflect exactly what you and I were talking about. So, hey, it seems like you, me, and Scott are all in favor of this cocktails-to-go bill. So, I mean... You know, what What more political backing do you need than us three? Yeah, now nobody's going to want to do it. If you, me, and Scott <laughs> Robert Shaw are aligned on this, then it must be some socialist plan to uh, to get Bernie Sanders into office somehow under the guise of Joe Biden and AOC. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's funny. It almost sounds like we we pre, we, we planned this, doesn't it? We, like we talked uh, naturally about this roadie bill, uh, cocktails to go bill, and then uh, Scott Robert Shaw's comment, of course, was about that. And good planning, Rick, or complete coincidence? <laughs> well, Scott Scott mentioned that 30 states have passed some sort of similar legislation that enables people to take drinks to go when they're getting takeout or when they're going to a bar or restaurant. And, I mean, if 30 states have already done this, how on earth has Wisconsin not done it yet? I mean, you would imagine that Wisconsin would have been like one of the first to adopt this kind of legislation. Is it just the optics, like the idea that Wisconsin's kind of a drink happy state and we don't. And also, don't we did we curtail the drunk driving penalties? Have we well, the opposite of curtail? Have we have we changed the penalties for drunk driving? Because that was kind of the issue a couple months ago or years ago. Um, when we start, when we were talking about, uh, when we were debating stuff in session, um, but we were going to up the penalty for drink, drinking and driving. So I don't know, maybe the optics, maybe Wisconsin's the last state to do this because of, you know, our culture here with drinking. Well, that's a really interesting point, Rick. I mean, maybe it is because of the optics that Wisconsin didn't want to get on board with the other states that had adopted the cocktails to go measure, but Certainly, you know, if, if if you're looking to get this measure passed or looking to get any measure passed, you're looking for your moment of opportunity. And if you're waiting for your moment of opportunity, this is it. This is it. I mean, just as far as how the bar and restaurant industry is struggling, how we've lost so many bars and restaurants and how this could be just a, a lifeline for them. And, of course, could benefit them for many years to come if we adopt it this year. Yeah, and it's one of the things like, okay, like 
we're we're all adults here. I mean, if we're able to buy booze when then we're you know well into our adulthood. So we're 21. So if you're going to allow us to drive home with drinks from the grocery store, it's not a whole lot different than driving home with drinks from the bar. Uh, just another thing that we could legalize. I mean, it's it's not even that hard of a path. Um, but also, Chikoski, there's a 1.39 billion dollar com- combo jackpot tonight and tomorrow. Powerball Mega Millions. Um, $1.39 billion. And uh, this is another thing where uh, it's legal in the state to buy lottery tickets, but it's illegal for me to bet on the Bucks game. So I don't know. Like, this seems like another issue. Like, why why aren't we just legalizing gambling? Federally, we can, but like, the, 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 the Wisconsin is one of the only states, you know, it seems like, at, at least in the area, like, I think Iowa's talking about it or has passed it. I know Illinois has. Uh, why, why, again, another one of the things like, let us gamble on sports. Yeah, Rick. I mean, I think that there are obviously concerns about gambling addiction. I think that there are people who are opposed to these measures, but this type of thing is a potential source of revenue for state governments. You know, if you want to find revenue, more money to come into that state budget without having to raise taxes. This has been something that states have looked at, and they've looked at carefully. Uh, So I expect more states to consider expansion of gambling as as they try to find more sources of revenue. And gosh, I mean, state and local governments have just been hammered by this coronavirus pandemic, just in terms of their revenues plummeting. And coming under real budget strain. And so, you know, not only will states be looking for relief from the Biden uh, COVID legislation that he unveiled yesterday, and that does include some aid to state and local governments, but I'm sure going forward, state and local governments will continue to try to find ways to bring in revenue without having to raise taxes uh, because they're really hurting right now, these state and local governments. Uh, legalized sports betting. I just Googled it. Axios has a nice little Axios is like the easiest, the easiest way to consume news. Cause they're all bullet points. They're all Robin Voss uh, legislation, just bullet points. Um, so you don't have to think too hard like Robin Voss, uh, no legislation in seven States in 2020, Idaho, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Wisconsin, Utah, Texas. So Wisconsin, one of seven States that just didn't have any legislation. Unbelievable. Uh, and then 12 States had failed legislation, which included Minnesota, and if I just could control find Iowa legalized it, uh, 18 plus states. Iowa is one of 18 states that has legalized uh, sports gambling. So, hey, want to make some money, states, through, through a pandemic? You know, maybe can we go back in time nine months and uh, throw that into the COVID legislation? And legalizing weed would be another easy way to uh, to to make some money as a state, right? We're, we're, we're already doing mega millions in lottery tickets. We're worried about people getting addicted to gambling, except, you know, lottery tickets. Uh, so, uh, there's, it seems like there's a couple of different avenues here to, we're going to legalize weed, legalize gambling and let people drive home with, uh, old fashions. <laughs> it should be called the old fashioned well, bill. Rick, there is a well-established pattern, kind of a bandwagon effect. I would call it that when one state adopts one of these new policies, other states tend to follow suit because. You know, if if one state adopts sports gambling, then, hey, you have a model to look at if you're trying to adopt it in your own state. And Colorado was the model for many states when it came to legalizing marijuana. They could learn from Colorado's experience. And so this kind of diffusion of laws throughout the country, it really does happen. So 
I'm not surprised that we're going to see this kind of continued spread of mar- legalizing marijuana, gambling on sports, perhaps, because that that is a really well-established pattern when you look at state government policymaking, that when one state kind of adopts an idea, other states tend to get on that bandwagon because they see the benefits from it uh, for themselves. All right, number three is calling back. Number three, what do you got? I just figured out this, why they want the restaurants to serve let's just take booze home with them. Mm-hmm. They get the Tavern League and the Restaurant League to get this thing passed with the boys in Madison because I think drunken driving is down right now. Not as many people drinking and driving anymore. Okay. So the kiddies getting a little low on the, from the drinking and driving fun. So if they let the taverns and the restaurants sell booze to you on the way home, you're going to Drink more, and then the cops can pick you up for drunken driving. All right, I mean that's got to be the only answer to it, Rick. Uh, I I I understand where you're coming from. Definitely not the only answer, uh, but yeah, I would I would assume that maybe uh, maybe there'd be a, a slight uptick in drinking and driving if people were able to take roadies home. But also, they're probably drinking at the bar already <laughs> when they decide I'm going to head <laughs> home. I'm going to bring these home with me. So they're probably already drunk. Like, how would you ever prove that? I guess when you, Tregoski, you talked about maybe they'd have a a special seal on whatever cup, whatever roadie cup they would give. Yeah, yeah, there would be some kind of special seal. But uh, I actually, you know, I I think number three makes a good point about the Tavern League. You know, if if it, whatever whatever policy proposals the Tavern League gets behind, I I would bet on those proposals being successful because they, they are just, so enormously powerful here in Wisconsin. All right, we're 10 seconds away from from 5.45 p.m. It's Friday, Trigoski. Just check your phone quick. Any updates, any Friday news dumps? <laughs> no Friday news dumps that I can see, Rick. I, we did have, I, last week was probably the best Friday news dump we'll ever have with Trump getting banned from Twitter. Okay, so right here, Mike texts in, legalized prostitution. Politicians already practice it. Um, yeah, legalized prostitution. People can do what they want. And um, some John texts in, don't forget toll roads. I don't. Oh, he's trying to where the state could make money at toll oh, yeah. roads. Yeah, uh, you can go bleep yourself with toll roads. That's what I'll say about that. If you want, now you're impin, in, 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 uh, you're you're infringing on my ability to get from one place to another without it costing more money. Um, me me being allowed to bring drinks home is a choice of mine. The toll road thing has been kicked around a little bit in Wisconsin politics. It, it, I don't know that it's gone really anywhere in the recent past, and I think that it is a it's pretty much a non-starter. I, uh, obviously, there was talk during the campaign for governor about Tony Evers wanting to raise the ta- the gas tax. That didn't happen. So, you know, I, I, and they did end up finding kind of another source of increased revenue in the last budget cycle for, for infrastructure. But it just seems like toll roads are a non-starter. And, and certainly from the last budget cycle, it seemed like there was little interest, little appetite on the legislature's part for increasing the, the gas tax as well. Yeah, I feel like we'd fight over gas tax. A gas tax, another one of those, like, no way, go bleep yourself with that government, like, taxing more. Because, like, it's just, like, an easy way to point and say that affects my pocketbook, even though when you're driving down the road and, and, and people complain about the roads and the cross all the time, like, that's how we're paying to fix these roads, people. Um, but 
I feel like down the road at, at some point we're not going to be using all that much gas and we're already doing that transition in other places. We're going to need like an EV, an electric vehicle tax. Yeah, Rick, it's funny you mentioned that because I was uh, recently at a presentation with the Secretary of Transportation for Wisconsin and he shared those very concerns. You know, he said that the, the gas tax is kind of sustainable for now as a source of revenue for uh, roads, bridges, et cetera. But over the long term, as we go toward electric, as we go toward vehicles that really don't need as much gas, he was really wondering about the extent to which the gas tax could really hold up as a, as a revenue source. And so, you know, I, I think short-term gas tax kind of works. Long-term, though, real big questions about just where exactly the funding for roads is going to come from. Yeah, and when we talk about Fixing the roads, it's always it's always a talking point in lacrosse. Well, we have a mayoral race, 10 candidates for mayor. Uh, I think I, I had Samuel Schneider. He's the quote-unquote the 18-year-old. I don't know why I quoted that, but uh, running for mayor. And, and, you know, he gets on here and he he just do, does those talking points. As if, if I was, Tregoski, when I ran for uh, student council in seventh grade, I believe, I just said less homework, uh, longer recesses, and better, better lunch. We're going to have better food at lunchtime. And I was on the student council, right? So when you're running for mayor, you say fix the roads, uh, help the homeless, and lower property taxes. Those were those were three of the – oh, and then and no needles. Like we're not going to have needles in the city anymore somehow. Those were the, like the four talking points that he brought up. But it's, like, it's just like, yes, those are all great things. But, you know, those are kind of problems that we've always had and how are we going to solve those issues. And then kind of one kind of negates the other. Like you can't fix the roads and help the homeless with the same pot, you know, like you've got to figure out where to get all that money. Well, Rick, I mean, why can't we have our taxes reduced and then fix all of our problems at the same time? Yeah, I I don't, I don't understand. And speaking of taxes, libertarian guys coming on. Oh boy, look out. We're talking about taxes, libertarian guy. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, I was just noticing you guys are spending an awful lot of time talking about ways that the government can raise taxes or raise more money. And I, I guess I just don't understand. If you've ever looked at how much money the government is already collecting, it's significant. I mean, it's trillions of dollars. And then you throw in there all the state and local taxes. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're basically, if you average it out, we're already forking over about 49% of our income over to the government. All you guys can talk about is how they can raise more revenue. Would you, would you ever consider the fact that maybe the government is collecting too much money and then maybe they should find some ways to start cutting back on spending? Well, I think we're talking about letting us drive home with drinks, and then um, that turned into, uh, yeah, if you want to raise revenue somehow in a pandemic because the revenue in other streams is getting uh, taken away, uh, these 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 are these are really easy. Wheat passing, we you know legalizing weed and gambling and whatever the other one was. But I don't know. Are we taxing people that are driving home with uh, roadies, Chagoski? Is that how that works? Well, libertarian guy, if I could just chime into your point, there was just a study Please. released this week uh, that showed that the Wisconsin tax burden, uh, in terms of state and local taxes, it's at a 50, 50 year low. Uh, state and local taxes, it, uh, according to the report, accounted for 10.2% of Wisconsinites' income. So 10.2% of income went to state and local taxes in 2020 in Wisconsin. And like I said, uh, Libertarian Guy, that uh, is the lowest in 50 years. Well, okay. So, so 
So you're you're taking one small piece of it. You're you're excluding any discussion. You know, when you add it all together with federal taxes and all the local taxes and things like that. And so what if it's if it's low, relatively speaking? How much better off we would all be if it was even lower? Well, it depends. I mean, what's how are we offsetting some of the stuff? I, I guess you know you have to get into the weeds on where we're cutting government spending. Sure. Yeah. And, and maybe that's uh, we we've got like four minutes, so I don't know if we can do that. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a discussion for another day. But uh, yeah, it, it if if we could keep more of our money, we could take care of ourselves, and we don't need the government doing all these different things. And uh, you know, <laughs> if they would help us less, we could take care of ourselves better. All right, thanks for the call. I'll leave it at that. Yep. I, uh, I feel like he, he has a point there until it comes to like, hey, Rick, we need uh, $7,000 from you this year to because you drive from Hoka to Lacrosse every day of the week, a couple times a week, a couple times a day. Uh, we're going to need seven grand from you to, to help fix the roads because the government's not taking taxes out for that anymore. <laughs> what, always, what always gets in the way of these spending cuts is simply that the public is opposed to many spending cuts. And you know, it's, not, it's not my opinion. It's just the fact that, you know, most of the public, if you give them a list of things, well, would, should we spend less on roads? Should we spend less on bridges? Should we spend less on K-12? Should we spend less on the police? If you give them a list of things and ask them, should we spend more or less? The public most of the time says we should spend more or the same. And so, you know, uh, you know, and Rick, I, I don't think we're saying that this is good or bad, the amount of government spending. is certainly not what I'm saying. Uh, and I guess all I'm saying is that public opinion gets in the way of spending cuts because a lot of times spending cuts sound good in theory to the public until you get to the nitty gritty of what actually gets cut. Yeah, I, I uh it's so down into the weeds. And then, you know, a lot of the arguments a couple of weeks ago with the big omnibus trillion dollar package that the, the Senate finally passed something. And not that we could deep dive into this. So, you know, a lot of a lot of the memes out there were how much money we were giving to other countries for things. And that's that's a weird thing that I think a lot of people don't understand, including myself. Like, why are we giving, you know, and I'll just throw a random country, seven hundred million dollars to uh Venezuela, maybe Venezuela is a terrible example. Uh, Chile, why are we giving $700 million to Chile for whatever reason? And I don't think anyone understands that stuff. Well, Rick, actually, just to go back to my previous point, on political science surveys, the one thing that an overwhelming majority of the public does want to cut spending on is foreign aid. So I guess you you hit on the one policy area where people actually do want to see reduced spending, at least a, a, a good majority of the public does. Yeah, and it just seems like, you know, maybe, and, and I don't know, do, do you do you even have an opinion there? Like, there's is there so much thing, is there so much going on that we don't understand why we are giving millions of dollars to other countries? I don't have an opinion on that, Rick, other than just noting that the public is not happy about foreign aid, but Congress is reluctant to cut it. Um, And it isn't a huge portion of the overall federal budget. It's a rather small piece. And Mm -hmm. another, another element to this conversation is that the public greatly overestimates the just how much of the pie goes to foreign aid. Right. We, we could compare that to the, you know, essentially defense spending, right? Because the defense spending bills yep. is, is what, what piece of the pie is defense spending? You know, off the top uh, of your head? Yeah. Defense spending, gosh, off the top of my head, I don't, I, I think it's about, 
uh, 17%. Yeah, let's just say if you if you were cutting a pie up and I took the defense spending piece, everybody would look at me and go, you're a pig. Probably? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if it was a pizza. I, I would rather have pizza than pie, so <laughs> pizza pie. Uh, Chagoski, thanks a lot for joining me again. It was fun. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rick. All right, see you later. All right, we got to take one more break. We'll be back after this. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the week. Woo. Friday, it was a fun week. Thanks, everyone, for listening, for texting. I know I've been texting. I don't know who this is, but we were joking about taxes and what we should tax. Uh, we need a bicycle tax, an electric car vehicle tax, a miles-driven tax, uh, a sidewalk tax for people who are walking on the sidewalks, and also a snowblower tax for everyone that used their uh, snowblower this week. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you Monday.